Well, thank you so much, great God. What an honour and a privilege to worship and to give You thanks and praise wherever we are, Father. We love You heaps. We worship and honour You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Hey, it's a real privilege and honour to introduce to you Trish Lane, one of our pastors here overseas, our kids' ministry, as well as many other areas. Uh, she is going to bring the Word tonight and we're looking forward to hearing from her. Uh, you, she won't be able to hear you, but why don't you give a huge cheer uh, as she comes to bring the Word to us tonight. That'd be great. Thanks, Twig. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome. It is so great to be with you. Um, and I know that even though we can't be in the same room together, it is actually awesome that we have technology um, so we can still meet together. And I'm really thankful for that. I do realise though that technology is not the easiest way to feel connected to people. And uh, we've been doing this live streaming thing for quite some time now and probably still have a season ahead of us. So tonight I thought I wanted to mix things up a little bit, do something a little bit different. Um, and so we're going to do four little interactive activities that you can do during our time together. To do that, if you're watching live and you happen to be watching on YouTube or watching on the Bridgman.live platform, if you wanted to jump over to our Facebook live stream, then you can actually interact on um, the chat function there. So you can do that either just jumping onto Facebook and searching out Bridgman Baptist, or you can follow the link that's come up on the screen now and you get to be part of the interactive things that are happening. If you're still watching on the other platforms, that's no trouble at all. You can still have a chat amongst yourselves at home as well. I don't want you to get too excited, but the very first activity actually has a prize attached to it as well. It's a $20 gift voucher for the person who can get the answer correct first. Um, so I'm gonna give you a chance just to jump over to Facebook Live now. We've actually been doing challenges with our Bridge Kids on a Sunday morning, and it's been awesome just to see their interaction and joining in on Facebook groups as well. And I do wanna say thanks heaps to all the parents and caregivers, and especially to all the kids who've been tuning in each Sunday morning, um, joining with us. It's not the same as meeting you guys face to face and we can't wait until we're back together again. But in the meantime, we are loving um, coming up with some creative ways of connecting with you. And also we've had a bit of time brainstorming some ways for families to engage, um, checking out some apps and resources that you can have a look as well. So on our online resource, you can find out more information about that. But I think we're ready to get started. I wanna tell you about um, a present that a friend of mine received. I'm not sure if it was his birthday or if it was for Christmas or what happened, but he got given this present. And when he opened it, he had no idea what it was. He actually didn't even know how he was supposed to hold it. Is it supposed to be like this? Is it supposed to be like this? He, he was really pretty confused about the whole thing. And so the very first activity that you get to do tonight is, if you're on that Facebook Live function, you have 20 seconds now to write down what you think this item actually is. So we're gonna to go to that right now. Okay, so I'm not sure. If you thought it was a kind of new type of chair, you're wrong. It is definitely not a new style of chair. Um, it's not a new tennis racket either. Um, sorry, if that was your idea. But if you did come up with the idea that it was a recipe book holder, you are correct. And so congratulations um, to the person who got that one first in the competition as well. 
Sometimes in life we receive presents and the person who gives it to us is really excited for us to have it. Um, They're pumped, but we're not really sure what it is um, that they've given us, what we should do with it. We, We might even be confused with how it all works. And the same can be true when it comes to Christianity. If you're not a Christian or you're still checking this whole Christianity thing out, perhaps you've met someone who wants to share what they think is this amazing gift with you, but you're not really sure what to do with it. You find it confusing. So what we wanna do tonight is for those of us who actually are Christians, we wanna ask a question, how do we share this gift of what Jesus has done for us so that it's as accessible as possible for as many people as possible? And to do that, I wanna start by looking at an event that took place not long after Jesus went to heaven. He told his followers to gather and to wait for this gift that was gonna come. And we read that they were waiting. And in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya and near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What we're reading here is actually pretty remarkable. You see, Jesus' followers were all Galilean Jews. They all came from the same cultural background, but the crowd that they were speaking to were not all from the same cultural background. They were not made up of Jews who had come from just that part of the world, but from all parts of the world. And each of them had their own unique cultural background. In fact, commentators would suggest that there were up to 15 different languages that were spoken amongst these people. What's interesting is that when Jesus' followers spoke, they could have spoken simply in Aramaic and Greek because the the crowd probably would have understood them um, because that was a common language amongst people of that faith. But God decided to perform a miracle so that rather than hearing the message of Jesus in a language that was secondary to them, God allowed each person in the crowd to hear the message in their own native tongue. Why? Because it's not enough just to tell people about Jesus. We wanna make the message of Jesus as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. And how do we do that? We need to start where people are at. Rather than expecting the crowd to try and understand a second language, God enabled the message to meet them where they were at in their own native tongue. We see the same principle play out in many other places in the Bible. In Acts 15, when the Apostle Paul was talking to Jewish people about Jesus, he quotes the Old Testament scriptures. But in Acts 17, when he's speaking to non-Jewish people, rather than quote the Old Testament, he instead chooses to quote a source of authority that his audience would, would, would admire and respect. In Acts 17, we read, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
Tim Keller explains, Of course Paul cites the Bible when speaking to Jews or to Gentile God-fearers or to converts to Judaism. But when addressing the philosophers on Mars Hill, he quotes Aratus, a pagan author. He quotes authorities that his listeners would respect. Why would Paul do this? Because Paul knows that we need to, meet, we need to start where people are at. Each person will have a different starting point, And Paul is willing to adapt depending upon his audience. In fact, when writing to the church in Corinth, he says, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Again, Paul is saying the same thing. We need to start where people are at. Rather than expect people to understand our language and fit in with our culture and to care about the things that we care about, we need to start by doing everything we possibly can to speak their language, to connect with their culture, to care about the things that they care about. From there, we simply invite people to take a step towards Jesus. So for the rest of our time together tonight, I wanna share some practical ways where we can start right where people are at. And the very first one has to do with the words that we speak. Tim Keller says that Christians often use references, terms and phrases that mean nothing outside our Christian tribe. So we must intentionally seek to avoid unnecessary theological or evangelical jargon, carefully explaining the basic theological concepts behind confession of sin, praise, thanksgiving, and so on. During this season of um, social distancing and isolation, um, I've been working at a school and um, part-time in, in conjunction with my church job. And I've had the opportunity to be connecting with kids online while they've been at home um, in my chaplaincy role. And so we've had conversations about lots of different things about how they're tracking through life and things that they're interested in. But one particular thing that has come up quite a lot is the whole idea of gaming and computer games. And I have learned so much about Minecraft and um, Roblox and things that I've never heard about before. And in fact, as I've had conversations with them, I've realized that often they speak another language altogether. I've had to have a dictionary beside me sometimes just to try and understand what they're saying. The reality is we want people to feel welcomed and included. We want our language to actually welcome them in. We wanna remove any unnecessary barriers. We don't want people to feel like they're unwelcome or disqualified because they don't understand the words that we use. Often there's language that we use as Christians that could be said in another way that would be less confusing for non-believers. And so the next activity that we're gonna work through together, I wanna show you some as an example of the words that we might use and find very familiar as Christians or people in church world that could be said a different way for non-believers. Say for example, the word. We could explain that we're talking about the Bible. Or maybe when we talk about preach the gospel, we could talk about the fact that we shared the message about Jesus. How about when we gather for fellowship? It would be great for people to understand that we're talking about meeting together as community. For John's gospel, we're talking about a book in the Bible. It actually could be John's biography of Jesus, his, his writings of Jesus' life and Jesus' teachings. 
There's two more examples that we've got as an activity for you to finish now. So in your Facebook live chat, um, you can have a go, just 20 seconds to see if you can come up with a way of saying Pharisees and disciples that might be in a way that non-believers would be familiar with. Have a go at that now. How'd you go? There's some ways, there are probably lots of ways you might have come up with, but sometimes we might say Pharisees um, could be said as religious leaders and disciples could be followers of Jesus. It's not that the words that we use in church are wrong. In fact, they're incredible words and often very powerful words. It's just about the assumption that we have that people will understand what we're talking about without explanation. And so we wanna remove barriers that might be stopping people from feeling welcomed or stopping people from actually even wanting to hear in the first place. Whilst this is true when we're reaching out to our friends and family who have an Australian background, it's even more important in cross-cultural settings. A few years ago, one of our own pastors took this principle so seriously that he actually walked 2,000 kilometres to see the message of Jesus presented in a language that people can understand. And we've got a short snippet from Pastor Andrew just explaining what he took part in and why he did that. So we're going to throw to that now. It was back in 2010, two friends of mine and I embarked on a journey of a 2,000 kilometre walk from Cairns to Stamphill to raise awareness for the 2,000 languages in the world that still were yet to receive the Bible in their language. Um, a few years before that, I'd heard the, the, the reality that um, millions and millions of people have still never heard the good news of Jesus. And I thought to myself, that is one of the greatest injustices in the world today. Um, Wycliffe, uh, a Bible translating ministry, was started by a man who was asked a question from a remote tribe who said to him, if your God is so big, why doesn't he speak my language? And Bible translation is all about making the good news accessible, as accessible as possible to all people across the planet. Some people might say, well, isn't English now becoming a universal language? Most people can read English. Um, but the reality is there's still many that don't know English. And secondly, if um, on, that, on that walk we did, we did this exercise with people where we asked people, could they write with their left hand? And many people can write with their left hand, but would you choose to write with your left hand? And similarly, it's so important we translate the Bible into people's heart language because that's what's natural to them. That's how they hear from God and that's what they would want to do rather than forcing them to read in another language. And so Bible translation um, is there making the good news of Jesus accessible to all peoples. And so whether it is we're sharing the good news with those that are our neighbours, we want to do it in a language they can understand, but also God calls us as the church to make every step we can or to take every step we can to make it accessible to the millions and millions of people in the world today who are still yet to hear it. We want to make sure that we're starting where people are at and part of our language is part of that. Making the Bible accessible to people in their own language has been part of that as well. The second area where we're called to meet people where they're at is actually around the areas of concern that they have. 
God has placed people in our lives with very real needs and concerns, financial pressures, relationship breakdown, loneliness, insecurities, problems at work. The very fact that we are living in the time that we are now in the global situation that we're in has highlighted the needs that people are experiencing as well. And whilst our tendency might be to rush in and show people how they can have forgiveness and they can receive eternal life, it would be much wiser for us to start with the concerns that they have. Rick Warren says that people crowded around Jesus because he met their needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, and financial. He did not judge some needs as being more legitimate than others. He certainly did not make people feel guilty for their needs. Jesus often met a felt need in order to establish a beachhead for evangelism in a person's life. Jesus frequently asked people, what do you want me to do for you? God uses all kinds of human needs to get people's attention. It doesn't matter why people initially come to Jesus. What matters is that they come. He can work on their motives and values and priorities once they enter his presence. We see this at work in countless ways around us here at Bridgman and all over the world. But I wanted to share with you a story that I heard just this past week. Cole Kruger used to be the principal of Mueller College. He kind of got on board when the school was quite young and saw it grow um, to about 1,300 students. He's also been involved in leading a Bible college. He's been a leader in a church as well. He knows what it is to share the message of Jesus across many platforms um, and wanting to make the most of every opportunity. But just recently, God gave him an opportunity of something much closer to home in meeting someone's point of need. It was actually his 18-year-old next door neighbor. Um, he has been able to work with his next door neighbor on the thing that's the most important thing in his life at the moment. And that is um, um, reviving, I guess, and a beat up old Holden Ute. It's his pride and joy. And so Cole has been working with his neighbor, um, not just for a day, but they have been working bit by bit over a period of time, slowly restoring this car. And as they've been restoring this car, they, Cole has actually been able to bit by bit share his own story of his relationship with Jesus, of how the transformation of God has been at work in his own life from his teen years right up to now. And Cole says it's been great because actually as he's been sharing with this teen, um, this guy has been, has been showing interest he says, in what makes me tick as a Christian. There's countless opportunities for us to meet people at their point of concern, to start where they're at and allow us to love them and then also take steps towards Jesus. So we're gonna jump into another Facebook Live activity. If you're not doing the chat there, you can still have a, com a think at home or wherever you're at. Um, but I want you to think of one person you know who doesn't go to church, don't write their name, um, but what is the most pressing need or concern that they're dealing with right now? I'm gonna give you 20 seconds just to have a go. You can use the chat function there or just have a think as well. Most pressing need or concern that they're dealing with right now. Let's go to that. you going there. I hope you're hanging in and enjoying some a little bit of the interaction that we're doing. So we've been learning that actually the language is um, needs to be, it's important. It needs to be understandable. The second thing is that we want to start with people's concerns. And the third thing is that we want to make sure that our message is clear. Tim Keller makes the point that two people can sit next to each other in church every week and hear two totally different messages. 
Suppose the speaker is talking about loving God and loving others. The first person interprets the message to mean that Christians ought to love God and love others if they wanna be accepted by God and receive eternal life. But the second person interprets a message to mean that because we have already been accepted by God and we've received eternal life, we can't help but express our gratitude by loving God and loving others. These are two entirely different ways to approach God. The first says we love God and love others in order to be saved. The second says, because we are saved, we can't help but want to love God and love others. Now, how can it be that these two completely different interpretations of Christianity can occur? Well, it could be as a result of our preconceived ideas about Christianity. It could be related to how we were raised. Maybe we have a difficult time trying to actually even believe in a heavenly father who could love and accept us as we are. The truth is there could be lots of reasons and filters through which a person listens and understands. So it's really important for those of us who are Christians to go out of our way to be really, really clear. To be clear about the fact that we don't need to love God and love others in order to be saved. The Bible never teaches that we are saved by our love for God and others, but simply by our placing our trust in what Jesus has done for us. Christianity can be confusing. And the last thing we want to do is to make it more difficult for people who are exploring Christianity to understand. So whether we're talking about our fates to our friends or our co-workers, our neighbours or even our children, the key is to start where people are at. What preconceived ideas do they have about faith? What experiences have they had of God and the church? How might these lead to misunderstandings? We're gonna throw into a, another activity, the final one. Um, and this one is, I want you to think of a person who doesn't go to church. Again, don't say their name. But which of the following misunderstandings about Christianity might they be wrestling with? Is it grace versus works? The idea that I don't do anything because Jesus has done everything for me and I put my trust in Him or I have to earn my way. Is it believing facts about Jesus versus trusting in Jesus? That I just learn all the information about who Jesus is or I actually choose to trust in Jesus, trust my life to Him? Is it seeing God as a boss versus seeing God as a heavenly father? That I have certain tasks to fulfill and I need to earn the favour of God or I have a heavenly father who loves me and cares for me? Is it Jesus being one way to God versus Jesus being the only way to God? Do I think Jesus is an opt-in according to lots of other ways of getting to God or is Jesus the only way? Maybe there's another misunderstanding that you know of. So I wanna give you just 20 seconds now, just in that chat function or even just to think amongst yourselves. But what are some of the misconceptions or misunderstandings that people around you have about Christianity? You can have a go at that now. So whether we're talking about our fate to our friends, our co-workers, our neighbours, or even our children, the key is to start where people are at. God cares about every single person. His heart is actually that all people would come to know who He is, to trust their life to Him, and to live in the freedom and the forgiveness that He has won for them. 
Perhaps tonight you are in the process of trying to figure out this whole Christian thing and you feel confused. You're not sure where to start and you're wondering what to do. Well, I'd like to invite you simply to email us at hello at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to connect with you. Um, we'd love to help you along the journey as well. Maybe you'd like to consider doing an online alpha course. We've got them running and um, a great avenue as well. But the best place to start ultimately is by asking God to meet us where we're at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that actually that is your heart, that people in this world would come to know you for who you are. You have spared no expense actually to make that possible by sending your son Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for your love. We thank you for the way that you have made it possible for us to know forgiveness and life in you. And I just wanna pray right now, Father God, um, that wherever we are on the journey, that we would be crying out to you because you are gonna meet us right where we are. And we thank you for that. And thank you for the ways that you are revealing yourself all over the place as well. We thank you for your word, um, the Bible, and we thank you for um, just the opportunity that we have to gather together. We ask that you help us even this very week as we live these lives that you've given us. Um, and so we pray these things in your name, amen. We're gonna finish the service now by singing another song. The worship band's gonna come and lead us through that as well. But it's incredible truth. Um, some of the words, maybe you don't know the song and you just wanna listen to the lyrics as they're sung as well, or maybe you wanna join in, but it's about the anchor that we have, our hope that is ours in the God who spoke all things into being, the one who's made it possible for us to know Him and love Him. So we're gonna sing together now. Thank you, God, for Your Word. Uh, thank You for the way in which You've spoken to our hearts tonight. And maybe, God, tonight some have been really impacted. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that they would continue to grow in their relationship with You or learn more about You, great God, we pray. Uh, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Uh, well, it's been so good to have you here with us online. If you were impacted in some way or another and you'd like to find out more or you responded tonight, uh, feel free, you can uh, click the button on your platform right now or you can email us at hello at bridgman.org.au and we would love to get in contact with you further. But it's been awesome to have you here. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks heaps. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.